You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of week. It is the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. I am joined by Ty Capone. We have a new offensive and defensive coordinator officially for our Philadelphia Eagles. D-line coach. And D-line coach. That guy's a fucking unit, man. That's (laughs) unbelievable. Terrifying. Uh, Then we got a little bit of... Sixers and Bead, you know, the, oh. that's up in the air. There's turmoil within the Sixers organization with not necessarily turmoil, but we just don't know the health and status of Joel Embiid after last night's little, uh, I guess, incident, you could call it. Uh, Kaminga landing I on his knee. I and, can't wait to get into that. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a whole thoughts. discussion about that. We got A.J. Brown doing every interview he can possibly can to Pathetic. try and drum up any sort of drama that he possibly can, but... I think that's pretty yeah. much it. And then the Flyers have fallen along the wayside after you know their goalie steps away. He was officially been charged with sexual assault in London, Ontario, Canada. So there's a lot going on in the Philadelphia sports world. Some okay, most of it not great. And the Phillies the haven't just, really. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> Phillies have just disappeared. Just like, They're like, hey, you want to buy gonna... season tickets? <laughs> well, like, we don't want to be in the bad light that the that the Flyers and Sixers are. Or an eagle. So we're just gonna we're not gonna say anything. We're gonna, we're gonna do nothing, and hopefully people forget about us. <laughs> so I believe what was it Friday or Saturday? Well, sometime this weekend. I don't exactly know the exact date. Kellen Moore was announced. Howard Eskin actually broke it before Adam Schefter. Crazy. Did. So shout out to him. I mean, listen. The one thing that Howard Eskin is is plugged in. He's an he is basically the Dave yep. Spadaro now of the. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. He has done everything he can to defend them at any stop. Anything he can do, he's defended Nick Sirianni. He's done all, all, everything that that organization could possibly ask of him. He's done it, and even if they haven't asked of him, he has just taken it upon himself to be the Eagles' white knight, and he gets rewarded with a little bit, a little kernel of information. Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. Ty, I guess I would ask you. Does, uh, how do you feel about that? Are you happy? Are you satisfied? I think I'll just tell you before I let you answer is that I think I'm okay with this. I, I don't – it's not exactly the, the number one name. I don't even think I had him in my list of three names. I was looking more kind of outside the box, but I think Kellen Moore has a good track record. I know some Cowboy fans were, like, laughing at, at us and saying, like, yeah, you're you're going to hate him, you know, whatever. He's – more of a, uh, I guess he is obsessed with throwing the ball, but he also runs the ball. Like I, I don't know. Like they, I didn't understand really what their hate for him was because it seemed like he didn't really have trouble moving the ball uh, when he was in da- down in Dallas. They had good offenses, they had good weapons, and I think they're going to have good weapons, and we're probably going to have a good offense at least at the very least. Ty, I think the offense is going to be a little bit more intricate and a little have a little bit more of. Um, I don't know what the word is, just uh, non, non-repetitiveness. I think we're, we're going to be shocking people with a little bit of different formations, a little bit more motion, and the route tree will probably be a little bit better, which is all I really could have asked for. So uh, I guess I'll ask you what your thoughts are. Yeah, 
I saw a Cowboys fan, some Chargers fan saying, you know, saying LMAO, like laughing at us. But I think um, I think that comes from his offenses. I think they, uh, they, I think he's had success in both both places. And I think the problem was they kind of fell off, like they kind of got stale. There, there, there kind of seemed to be issues at, at the end of his uh, time in, in uh, with the Chargers and the Cowboys. I don't know if that's like all him. Also, maybe he's learned from them from from those stints, right? He's still young, and um, also Dallas uh, is Dallas. You know, some juggernaut offense since he left. I don't. I don't think so. No. Um, yeah. So you know, they can they can laugh all they want. They have Mike McCarthy running the show over there. I don't. I don't think they can uh, laugh for too long. But uh, the the biggest thing I noticed was the uh, the motion. He uses a lot more motion. Not like an insane amount, but just much more than us. Um, Dak Prescott's numbers under uh, against the Blitz were very good under Kellen Moore. After that, it's it's fallen off. Um, and I saw a lot about running the game, running the ball. Um, it seems like he's been up and down in terms of like neutral neutral down pass rate. Um, it, it seems like he's just kind of like a mixed bag, you know, which is good. But I guess it could be bad. I don't know. There's a lot of things to like. It seems there's a lot of people that I trust more than me that uh, feel good about this. Shane Half, um, your boy, he's the guy who does a bunch of <laughs> um, um, EJ Smith, the guy who works for the um, Philly Inquirer. He's pretty good. I like what he has to say, and um, he likes this a lot. I saw some numbers, a bunch of different numbers. Um, Daniel Jeremiah likes likes Kellamore. There's a lot of people that like Kellamore. So, um, so biggest thing with me is. I think he provides a fresh look, a bunch of different looks. Um, the Cowboys in 2022 were the best team uh, in success rate against the Blitz. I think that matters. Uh, Jalen is definitely somebody who struggled against the Blitz. And just, you know, the offense in general. Um, you know, guys taking forever to get to, to, to get open for the routes to develop. I think you're going to see a lot, a lot different kind of route trees and schemes and plays and play designs and, and, and pre-snap motion and, uh, just a lot of different things that we honestly haven't seen in uh, what a year, a full year since uh, 2022. So yeah. it's definitely much needed. And um, yeah, again, Chargers and, and Cowboys fans can say what they want, but uh, those offenses aren't looking too hot now either. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just Twitter search Kellen Moore motion and there's a bunch of different, it's not just about motion, you know, most inside zone from the gun. Uh, what else? Oh, that was for the Eagles. Okay. Well, yeah, just, they definitely so, did that. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, there, there's so much content that I'm seeing. Ted Wynn, who's a uh, FB film analysis, he's pretty good. He knows what he's talking about. Um, he said he doesn't think it's going to tr- drastically change what the Eagles do, but somebody with fresh ideas, adding motion will be beneficial. J- just adding motion will be beneficial. So, can't imagine some of the other things he dials up and cooks up. So, I love it. Again. Very experienced, still very young, so maybe he's you know getting better. I, as players can improve as they get older. I same with coaches. Um, so I'm here for it. I think this is somewhat the best of both worlds that we talked about. We wanted a young guy who kind of had new ideas. We also wanted somebody who was experienced and had called plays before. And I think we got both of those and getting Kellen Moore. Uh, I will tell you, I I read Kellen. You know, I, all from all the talk about his offenses with the Cowboys and all the people from the Cowboys fans telling me his offenses while he was with the Cowboys ranked 6th, 17th, 1st, and 4th. So I would say that's pretty good with, you know, two, three years of being in the top six of, of your offense. 
with yeah. Dak Prescott, <laughs> you know, C.D. Lamb eventually showing up there at some point. I think that's a pretty good track record. And with adding him into having Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, a solid offensive line, and a quarterback who came in second in the MVP voting last year who had a rough rough year this past year, but he's if somebody's going to get him right, I, I would I would count on it being a, a former quarterback who's now coached Justin Herbert, coached Dak Prescott. Even his offense last year wasn't horrible, but I think the Chargers had bigger issues than just Kellen Moore, uh, you know, running the offense. I don't think that was the the big problem. And no. Justin Herbert got hurt for the end of the se- season, so I think those numbers could be a little askew with Easton Stick yeah. running the offense for the, the last month bad. or so. Yeah, uh, there was a lot that was going on there. But what did they do? They got Kel. Uh, they got uh, what's his name, Keenan Allen, the ball. So yeah, uh, I think that you know uh, you're going to have no problem getting AJ Brown and Devontae Smith looks. I think this is a good thing for them. I think this is a good thing for Dallas Scott. I think this is just a good thing for the Eagles offense. This is about as positive as it could have been for me. I'm just I was so worried that they we talk, I talked about it on here. I was so worried that they were going to go with the Frank Reich or somebody that was like the safe retread that they were comfortable with and somebody that they, you know, trusted and that was kind of be going to be Sirianni's offense. I'm still worried that Nick's going to have a lot of say on what's going to go on, but I think at the end of the day, he's going to have to trust the, this guy that he hired, and it's gonna they're going to have to make this work. So, uh, All in all, it's a good hire. On the defensive side of the ball, tie. Eagles do officially bring in Vic Fangio to run the defense, and we talked about it a little bit, but I wanted to give it enough time uh, on this episode to kind of discuss it a little bit. I think... That although we had discussed on here, we wanted to get away from the scheme and get away from the you know just the Fangio way of playing defense, the kind of bend don't break sort of style. It seems that you know we we've we've had the last couple of years, especially with Jonathan Gannon, and I don't understand Howie Roseman's obsession with this Vic Fangio sort of style of defense. But if this is what they're going to do, I would rather them instead of running copycats get the guy who or you know is the originator or the godfather of this said defense and hopefully it works out. I saw rumors that maybe he didn't work out in Miami or people didn't like him in Miami because he, you know, I guess he couldn't relate to younger players or whatnot, but then you see Jaws going out and saying, "Well, no, actually I heard that uh the players were more, uh, you know, interested in the Miami lifestyle as opposed to, you know, playing football <laughs> and whatnot." So Hopefully everybody that, hears something, I guess. It's always something. There's always everybody's always trying to save face or lie in the media or create rumor of this or that. So uh, I don't really know what to believe or what 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 the thing is. I just am more concerned with the way these players, not only on defense but on offense as well, but the way they kind of quit down the stretch, and I think that uh, a culture issue might be more of the case than anything else because I I don't know exactly how you're going to fix all of the holes that this defense has I think they're going to have to you know they'll be able to clear some cap I think Kevin you know know, uh, Byard's gone Uh, I I think if they can find a way to get off Bradbury they will as well I think they should as well so there and you know we obviously have talked about those linebacker problems there's a lot of of problems that Vic Fangio's defense is going to have to figure out but that's going to be a lot of this is going to be on Howie Roseman this is a big big offseason for these Philadelphia Eagles because 
things really kind of disintegrated or or, or just fell apart. Uh, you know, toward uh, during this year, and it was a, it was a team that they had set up for a multiple year, you know, championship Super Bowl run, and it kind of just it's hit a like it hit a wall. We just hit a wall, and and now now we're in a situation having conversations. Well, like. What like are how good are they going to be next year? Well, it's not like will we go to you know are we going to win the division? Are we going to go back to the Super Bowl? It's you know are, will we make the playoffs? Like probably, but there's no guarantees in this league, and this year has been evidence of that. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting off season. They're really going to have to nail this draft and uh, hopefully retain the right guys and um, kind of plug in some of the holes in free agency. I, I don't think they're going to have much much room to work with, but a guy like Devin Singletary, if you wanted to, um, I, I know Kellamore likes to use, he'd like to use Pollard and Zeke a lot together at 21 personnel. I'm all for that. Anytime we use that this year, we had some success, you know, having Gainwell go one way and Boston Scott go the other way. There was always seemingly some splash plays that were available uh, with two running backs in the backfield at once. So having like a Singletary Swift backfield would be sick. I think that'd be cool. Uh, Brandon Powell, the kid from the Vikings, he seems like somebody who they can use in the uh, the one person or eleven personnel. Is run, one running back, one tight end, three receivers. Brandon Powell could be another receiver that we put in the slot to be our wide receiver three. He didn't have an uh, amazing year, but also don't think he played uh, that much with the Vikings. So, yeah, um, I'm excited to see what they do. Or I think it was the Rams. No, it was the Vikings. Um, I'm excited to see what they do in free agency because again, we uh, we're going to have some departures, and we definitely need to upgrade. Um, I've been watching some Senior Bowl uh, coverage. It seems like everybody in the Senior Bowl is showing out and standing out. So that's, you know, every single player is good, I guess. Yeah, um, it's, isn't, that, isn't that funny? The Senior Bowl propaganda machine. There's going to be 500 first-round picks this year, even though there's only uh, 30, 32. But um, I'm excited to see who balls out and who we can uh, who we can draft. So, so I, I guess we, I'd like to talk a little bit about what, what your – Say we say your name is Ty Roseman, all right, and uh, that'd be quite a change of name from Capone to Roseman. But if <laughs> yeah. you were the, if you were the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, me and you are in the front office, and we're sitting there, we're talking right now. We're like, what should we do this off season? What would be your off season plans? We'll go through all of them, but I guess let's go back and forth and just like what what different ideas would you like? What would you your number one thing your focus be this off season? to kind of maybe maybe try like first thing that you would do to try to fix the Eagles. Um I guess I guess you want to trim trim some of the roster, right? To try to try to get out from certain guys. I know they have that was it June first is a big day where you can cut guys pre post uh, save some money whatever. Yeah. So Fletcher I think I've heard Fletcher and Kelsey both probably leaning towards retirement. I'm fine with that. Well, not Sounds Kelsey, like Kelsey's but, going back and forth. That's uh, I, I'm not so yeah. sure about that. We'll, we'll see about those two for sure. I mean, I, I'd like to have them both back, I guess. Uh, but Kevin Byard, see ya. Avante Maddox, see ya. Uh, Brandon Graham, I'd like to have him back. But um, definitely definitely try to create some space. Maybe go after Legarius Sneed from the Chiefs. Uh, he's going to want a lot of money, Jalen Johnson. I, I want a big splash uh, on, the def- on the defensive side of the ball for sure. It doesn't have, you know... What about Jair be, Alexander? Uh, uh, I fucking hate him, but okay. he um, he's he's good. He's really good. So I mean, you know, I guess I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just dislike him a lot. However, putting that aside, yeah, I mean, 
we need some young, younger looks on defense in the secondary specifically. So yeah, I mean, he's, he pretty much gives you a, a, a number one corner and then it gives you the ability to have him and Slay on the field at the same time. I mean, it's pretty solid until Slay falls off a cliff like Bradbury. I think he still has a little bit of juice left, but um, yeah, I mean, the draft is, it's hard for me to say who we should draft at each pick because there's so many guys and, and whatnot in trades. So we'll see. Hopefully they draft well. Uh, I would love to keep Swift. Um, I don't think he's going to be too expensive, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe get a punter for the first time in, in forever. Um, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, w- <laughs> it would be. A yeah, uh, wide receiver three would be, would be, it doesn't seem big, would be pretty important. Um, yeah, I think those are probably my my priorities. But I think mainly is just trying to trim some of the fat, trying to get get out from some of these contracts. And um, and, then, and then from there, you can see who you can replace, who you can sign, trade for. Curtis Samuel, I would love to have him. I think that would be a pretty decent under-the-radar guy to, to bring into this offense. Um, so, yeah, Levante David's a vet that you can put a linebacker, maybe. Just just some names I've seen yeah. floating around so- and um, – you kind yeah. of stole my idea there because my number one would be trying to acquire a free agent linebacker of some sort. Or yeah. If you have to trade for one, that's fine too. But I just feel like that is a hole in this defense that it has been exposed game after game after game down the stretch. And I feel like part of, maybe not the number one part, but a big part of having a good defense is having a solid linebacking core. And when we go when we went to the Super Bowl... <laughs> Oh my God! Excuse me, but I'm just passed out there. Hey. Uh, there, uh, I'm reading some of the names of some of these free agent linebackers that are available. I, I, and I kind of, like you said, you meant to, made mention of Levante David, uh, Frankie Louvu from the uh, from the Carolina Panthers. I didn't know he I was like a free it. agent. I, I would, I, I'd be all about that. But I don't think well, linebackers would... are really all that expensive. Like I don't think you have to break the bank for one of these guys. I would love Levante David. He's anchored a defense. He, he's Won a championship, so uh, I wouldn't. You know, Patrick Queen is another guy who I would be, you know, interested in or all about. You know, and then oh, even sure, maybe. even not like maybe some of the lower end guys that are you know going to be like Bobby Wagner. I think it, I, I'm I'm good on having a, an old linebacker. I don't even though he <clears throat> he may still be able to play. I'm just uh, yeah. I, I'm not interested in that whatsoever. Uh, but even the lower, you know, there's like Devin White. He's going to be available. You'll have Josie Jewell from the Denver Broncos. He'll be available. You got Drew Tranquil from the uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. There, the, which his comparison is Kaiser White, who we should still have. You know, so yeah. I think one of those guys you need to add. And I'm not saying break the bank again. I know we're not the going to be the most lucrative, richest team. I think I, I am in agreement with you. You have to go out. You have to cut some of these guys. I saw Avante Maddox as one of the names that you could probably cut, and I'm so, cool yeah. with that. Yeah, like uh, as a post-June 1st uh, sort of cut so it's not as uh, horrible on your cap. I would be cool with that. I am not in agreement with you. Well, I guess now that there's a new offensive coordinator, bringing back Swift would be fine under a certain contract or whatever, but I would actually draft a, a running back would be more – of, I'm here for it. Of my uh, thought process or, or you know, just because there's some names out there that I like. The guy from Texas, I think his name was Jonathan Brooks. He's good. Brooks. Uh, my boy, Audra Gastame from Notre Dame. There's a, there's a couple Good guys from Play Corum. He's another guy. Uh, I think the Eagles could, you know, and, and we it doesn't seem like that's something we 
really love to do. And then when we do, we always pick a guy that I don't like, like Kenny Gainwell. Not nothing against him when we drafted him. He's turned out to be better than I thought. But it, like we never go out and get like a bigger sort of every down back. It's always like a gadget back or you know a guy who catches passes and does this or that. I I want someone that we can actually build this, you know, uh, like not only build the offense around, but could wind up being an, an incredible player down, the, you know, down the road. But I think you're right. It's going to come down to, you know, we have what the 22nd pick in the first yep. round. Uh, you obviously you could go out and say, you know, you, you want to go get this guy or that guy, or you could maybe trade up and get another, a higher pick in the first round, but they need corners. They need a safety because they're not going to have Sidney Brown for the beginning of the season. And they probably need another offensive lineman. They, and yeah. The defensive line, it seems like, should be okay just based off the fact that they have all the guys in-house. They need to just be better. That, that's the simple story of it. I don't think all of those guys really fell off that bed. It's, you know, and the, our, the big unit said, uh, what's his name, Kurt? Uh, what's his name, Kurt Hurt? Clint Hurt. Clint Hurt, something crazy. I mean, just the man looks like an absolute monster. But he says he ain't going to have them big guys dropping back, which is exactly how it should be. You should have Please, your yeah. linemen just going forward and trying to make plays on the ball and get, make a play on the quarterback. So He worked with Fangio, I believe, also um, in Chicago. So at least there's some like familiarity there. Uh, he was the D.C. for Seattle. Was it last year? I don't know if he had much success, but you know, going from a whole D coordinator to a D line coach – uh, I'm, I'm completely okay with that. I think he should be fine, you know, working specifically with the D-line. I mean, look at him. He looks like if Jordan Davis ate Jordan Davis. So um, I'm here for it. Get him in here, baby. So it, it is – it's almost mock draft season, Ty. It, also, it, real quick, I dead. didn't see that we uh, hired Carl Scott to coach DBs, who yes. was also an assistant with her in Seattle. I like that. I've heard good things about Carl Scott, so yes. So, it, like I said, it's almost mock draft season. Uh, and you know, on this pod, when it becomes that time of year, we start running through these mock drafts of what you know, what we would want, what we think is going to be available. We try to take it all into consideration. It looks like you know, Caleb Williams. It's obviously going to be the first pick. Drake May probably going to be the second pick. You know, maybe Marvin Harrison third. And uh, I, I don't know for sure. But then after that, it kind of seems there's like a lot of wide receivers that are going. Uh, early on in this draft. So maybe that's good for the Eagles because that's not necessarily something we need. We could use a slot receiver, but that might be able – I don't know, though, man, because it's something that's been a hole, and the Eagles continually try to bring back the Quez Watkins of the world or sign a Julio Jones and think that's going to be okay. I, I'd like them to maybe draft somebody later on in the draft, but early on it's probably not the best move. At 22, Ty, some of the names that are available, your boy – Brian Thomas Jr. He's the number yes, one sir. ranked here on. The, I just ran the PFF mock draft real quick. Michael Penix. The simulator is kind of fun. I do. I love it. I love it. Jackson Powers Johnson, a center from Oregon. Then you have a tackle from Georgia, Amarius Mims, Braylon, Braylon Trice from He's Washington. Awesome from Washington. Uh, a Ennis Rat Rakestraw Jr. That, these Rakestraw. are wild names. Uh, Jordan Morgan from Arizona. Byron Murphy the second he is a uh, I believe a interior D lineman from Texas. So I think after that you, know, you got Lad McConkey, which is that white guy. I, I'm I'm okay with that. That's a little too early for Mr. McConkey. But who would you take yeah. in this spot right here? 
Uh, I don't know if he'll be there, especially with the combine, because he's going to be a combine warrior. I would love Cooper DeGene from Iowa. Oh, yeah. Dude, on this um, mock draft, they have him going uh, eight to the Falcons. Well, that's probably not bad. I think uh, Ennis, I believe he's also from Iowa, right? Uh, I could be wrong. Rake Straw? Uh, he's from lesson? Missouri. Okay. Similar. Okay, close. Yeah. Um, uh, um, was it Kamari? Kamari Lasseter from Georgia. He's a pretty good yes, corner. Yes, he's up here. The, the kid that's shooting up draft boards for the Senior Bowl, I think it's Quinion Mitchell. Quit. It's something uh, different. Is it Quinion Mitchell? Toledo cornerback. Let's see. Oh, yeah, quick. yeah. Here he is. Yeah, Quinion Mitchell. Cornerback yeah. Toledo. Um, so, I mean, he seems to be somebody that has uh, good athleticism. He's the highest graded cornerback in pro football focuses. Uh, Database since 2022 at 95.1. So, again, you know, not the best level of competition, but he seems like a baller, you know. Uh, what's the name? Who's the cornerback that, uh, from UConn? Byron Jones. I remember everybody's like, we should take Byron Jones. I'm like, I don't want him. Like, he's probably just an athlete. And he actually had a pretty good career. Not yeah. long, but, but a pretty good one. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not against taking guys from smaller schools. So, maybe him. Um, I'll have to see how, how else this develops. You know, with the senior ball and the senior ball yeah. and the combine and and whatnot. There's um, a lot to be figured out. It's kind of, it's it's a real early early look at it. But those are just some of the names. Definitely a corner, I think, is what I want. I I'm I'm I think I'm in agreement. If they especially if they stay at 22, then I think you're going to wind up. You know, maybe a Cooley McKinstry falls to you. I don't know exactly how much I name. like him. Yeah, uh, there, I mean, because there's a couple corners that go ahead of these guys. Nate Wiggins. McKinstry, Terry on Arnold, uh, and then you Cooper DeGene is the other guy who, uh, like you said, he 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 is the white gentleman, right? He's trying, he's kind yeah. of breaking the mold for he is uh, cornerbacks. And then, um, the other white corner uh, from Iowa, who I think was was it last year, he came out. Riley Moss, I think his name is. So Iowa going back to back white corners, trying to bring back the Jason Seahorn aura yeah. of the aura of the league. So I'm here for it. So that is probably what all we're going to give on the Eagles and the offseason. We will get obviously going to get more into that the further we get into the offseason. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But next, I did want to talk about the games from this past weekend Lions, 49ers, Chiefs, Ravens. Let's start, let's start with the game that happened first Chiefs, Ravens. Ty, I gotta say, I, I don't under. I would be having a mental breakdown if I was a Ravens fan because, well, I this is something that I thought all season long was that I didn't think the Ravens' offense was really that good anyway. The 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 play calling, just the the scheme that they ran. I, I Lamar Jackson didn't run nearly as much as I thought he was going to or wanted him to. That's why I picked him in fantasy because he's a weapon with his legs and he would run from time. Like it just didn't seem like. It was the same focus that it was before. Maybe that was on purpose to try to keep him healthy. But you're in the AFC Championship game. It's kind of try like time to cut it loose, and they really had trouble scoring the ball on uh, Sunday. And I know the weather wasn't great and everything, but the Chiefs again are just one of those all-time dynasty championship level teams who just find a way to get it done. They really do. And shout out to them. And your girl Taylor Swift is going to the Super Bowl. Let's go. Let's go. I know everybody's so pissed that she's on TV for an average of 25 yeah. whole seconds of a three-and-a-half-hour broadcast. I know. It's just so terrible, right? I mean, seeing her, uh, so annoying. I'd much rather see a, a Geico commercial. Yeah. Anyway. Um, 
Why do you yeah. think, Ty, I didn't want to ask you, why do you think people get so upset about that? Um, like, is it, guess, like, is it because it's, say, like, infiltrating their level, like, their love of football, and it's, like, a people, I guess, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it would be, like, if somebody's not a fan of her, and there's a lot of people who aren't, or, you know, just not, not their type of whatever content that they want to incorporate with themselves with, they see it, and they feel like it's being forced on them, and they think it's, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think people are just weird. People are just absolute weird and they're bored and they're idiots and they're lame. And they think, you know, this is like a setup. It's, it's, it's something to draw viewership up, which it has done, but I don't think it's not a a generated relationship that they just said, all right, we're gonna have to make this happen. Like it it seems like two superstars and they're, you know, different fields. Have come together and are dating. It's not the cra- it's not the craziest thing in the world. Uh, Simone Biles and Jonathan Owens on a much lower scale uh, are doing the same thing, you know. But like they show her in the box. How many times have you watched the Eagles game tie and they showed Bradley Cooper up in, up in the or Mike Trout and no one's like get yeah, him off the uh, screen, get him off yeah, the screen because like, nobody really cares. Spike, Spike Lee and Jack Nicholson are at every Knicks and Lakers game. I guess it's a little different because they've been fans for their whole life. However. Taylor Swift is she's a big fan now. Maybe she she's wasn't a dating one of life. the players on the team. Like who cares? Yeah. Like yeah, she um. Now if they were showing Brittany Mahomes up there, I would understand the outrage because she's annoying. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants to see her. But um, yeah, it's it's also they're not showing them for long. Like New York Times made an article and said, yeah, an average of twenty five seconds per game she's on the screen. Like wow, what what a terrible terrible thing to see a, a beautiful, intelligent, smart. Amazing artist is on the is on my TV screen after Travis Kelsey touches catches a touchdown. I can't believe it! Oh my god, the world is ending. Um, he, Jerry Jones. How many times did they show Jerry Jones' ugly fucking face yeah. on TV during the game, post game, halftime, quarter, everything? Or that hippopotamus Chris Christie sitting next to him at, yeah. at the game. Nobody wants to see that shit. And then they start talking to them. Nobody wants to hear what they have to say. Jerry Jones just said something earlier this week that like it was the most the stupid. What was the quote? It was like. Uh, we're not going to not build for the future, but I say we will not. It was just a bunch of just yeah. jumbo. I'm like, right, nobody wants to hear from him. So, uh, just to, to get to touch on the game a little bit, though, is, uh, you know, the Ravens just, just absolutely fold it when the situation prevent, uh, pre- presented itself. Big game, you're number one seed at home. You know, all you have to do is not fuck up. Don't shoot yourself in the foot, and you, you, you can probably win this game. And the Chiefs are a team that won't do that. You know, they've been here. They've done that. They had no turnovers. They dominated the time of possession battle, 37 to 22. Uh, three turnovers for Baltimore to the Chiefs, zero. Yep. Eight penalties to the Chiefs, three penalties. And the uh, Chiefs got five first downs from penalties. That's the game. That's the game right there. Also, Lamar Jackson, another uh, bad performance in the playoffs. It kind of happens. Not good for that narrative, man. Really. As I sneeze, it happens to him. And, um... He had 20 of 37, 272 yards. I mean, he just, he just looked off the whole game. And uh, the, the the throw at the end of the game to triple coverage, I, I just have no idea what he was what he was looking at. But I think a big part of that was the receivers in general are just not good. Zay Flowers, I like him, but, man, he The fumble he killed him, man. Yeah, he had a yeah. mental breakdown. That's That's it seemed like the moment got, like, too big for these guys. Uh, and the Chiefs have been there, the done that. Yeah, um, they were driving in. That was such a good drive. They were feeding Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers is a great player. It's just yeah, he's a young kid. Maybe he'll. This is something that they can grow from. And 
get better, you know, as a team from. But it just seems like the Ravens with Lamar Jackson have great regular seasons and they just come up short. So in some way, somehow, they just always come up short in the in these big moments. But it was a great game. I mean, you talk about Travis Kelsey. The guy had 11 catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. 116 yards and a touchdown. The guy was cooking. Pat Mahomes yeah. looked as elite as he ever has, just making plays. And, you know, they just, again, figured out a way to win. Now you want to talk about imploding. The Detroit Lions against the San Francisco 49ers, the game after this. Two pretty good games. It's all you can ask for when yeah. you get to these NFC Championship and NFC Championship games. Yeah, it was it was pretty high score. 34-31. to 31. The Lions scored 27. Oh, I'm sorry, the 49ers, I should say, scored 27 unanswered points in the second half to win this game. And I saw all sorts of people killing Dan Campbell for going for it here or it's his fault. Listen, that guy was going for it all season long. You can't, like... It would have been fraudulent of him to, in some of those instances, not go for it. Now, I understand the questionable one was not going for, or, you know, maybe he shouldn't have gone for the last one, maybe kick the field goal. But where is the guarantee that that guy's going to bomb a 50-yarder? That team, first off, that team is not getting a stop on defense. Not happening. Exactly. Field goals are not winning, field goals are not winning you games against the Niners with that kind of garbage defense. Absolute. The, the fact that Aaron Glenn's getting head coaching – uh, interviews just kind of boggle in my mind because that defense is dog shit. They have a couple of good players for sure, but um, and also Michael Badgley stinks. He was missing thirty yarders when they signed him. Why would you trot him out in the playoffs for forty plus yarders? So then he misses, and it's like, well, why didn't you go for it, Dan? You went for it all year, exactly. Um, and people people were saying, oh, now now Dan Campbell is he's too ad- analytics have taken over. He's getting too analytical. I'm like, Dan Campbell is about as far away from an analytical guy that you can possibly get. He's he's a tough hard-nosed guy that just his decision-making lines up with analytics. It's just, it's kind of a perfect uh, chemistry, perfect yeah. balance, you know, uh, it worked all year and what, uh, it didn't work in the playoffs or in that game. Like, it, you know, it could have been, it could have worked. The conversation should be around how much, how pathetic Josh Reynolds is as a player. He drops two huge passes and then he goes on, uh, he, they ask him about it. He's like, oh, shit happens. Like, yeah, shit does happen. That's why you're going to be a free agent next year. Uh, the Jameer Gibbs fumble, absolute fucking backbreaker. Um, the what was it, the interception that turned into a fifty-yard catch from Ayuk? Yeah. Uh, the drop pick from Kendall Vildor. The Lions had like four or five plays that are just backbreakers. I saw um, somebody said I think it was EPA per play, and some of the like lowest plays that had a huge effect were all from the Lions. Out of all the games, out of all the playoffs so far, so that just shows you how crushing. Uh, those plays were and how just bad they fucking fumbled uh, literally and figuratively down the stretch in that game yeah, multiple man. times where they could have just put it away. Uh, St. Brown didn't do anything in the second half. Um, but I mean, the the two Josh Reynolds bl- drops, the one, especially I think on the third, third and two or fourth and two. Uh, oh my I think God. I, I don't even know. I don't even know. I wouldn't bring it back. I, I just off that alone. I'm like, yo, hit the showers, bro. Hit the hit. Hit the free agency market. Um, I don't have a problem with him going for it. I really don't. Um, I'm, a, I'm a guy who's always aggressive in going for it, especially when you know your defense is probably going to just, you know, you, you can't rely on your defense to get a stop. And you can't rely on your kicker. So what else are you going to do? I mean, you have one of the best offenses in the league, you know, and it yeah. should have worked, but it didn't. So 
I'd rather, yeah. I, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'd rather take the game in my own hands and worry about, you know, we didn't make the play as opposed to us sitting back on our heels and hoping that the 49ers, who have a juggernaut offense, don't figure yeah. out a way to get 30, 40 yards to get in the field goal range. Yeah, it's, I, I'm with you. I, that's why I didn't understand the whole, Dan Campbell lost them this game. Dan Campbell, yeah, you're an idiot. Oh, just keep, keep listening to the analytics. Crazy. Keep listening to the analytics. It's those kind of people are just looking for a way to shit on the numbers aspect. And I believe me, me either. Not a, not a big numbers analytics looking at a calculator to make a decision. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. But Dan Campbell's not the guy to use as that example. It's yeah, I couldn't agree more. He is just aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And I'm pretty sure that the analytics wouldn't have told you to go for the two points when you're on the eight, eight yard line or seven yard line. Uh, you know, against the Cowboys during the regular season. But he still did it because he's aggressive, and he told his team, we're going to go down there, and we're going to score a, a touchdown. We're going to go for two, and we're going to win the game. He just he, – he, at least – at the very least, that man is always consistent. And it just – it didn't work out. It didn't work out. It's unfortunate, but that's kind of how it goes. Are you excited for the Super Bowl? I am. I think this is probably the best yeah. matchup that they could have gotten. <laughs> I, again, I see people shitting on it, like, oh, nobody wants to see this game. Like, who the fuck doesn't? This is like I the two best like games. I think it's like Eagles fans it's that are like, uh, like mad that it's like two teams that they don't really have like a team to root for, I guess. Because it's so many people are like, oh man, uh, it's Brock Purdy, it's the Niners, it's Mahomes and Kelsey, and they're just poo pooing the game because it's like the teams and the guys that we see uh, there before. It's a rematch. Like people want the lines, the feel good story. Nobody wants to see the Chiefs. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are the best team. They're, they're going to give you the best game. I remember yeah. last year's Super Bowl, uh, you know, if it wasn't the Eagles in it, we would have been like, yo, what a fucking amazing game, uh, even though we still say that. But, um, and then the, the Niners, I mean, tr- George Kittle, Kyle Shanahan, they, they've they been talking. They're like, yo, we've been waiting for this to get our revenge. So yeah. I think it's going to be an absolute slobber knocker from the start. I would, I, I would, Go with the under. I feel like that that would be my play if I had one, but I, I don't know how to bet for shit, so don't listen to me. But either way, I'm picking the Chiefs. I, I can't oh, see nice. how they don't get it done. I can't see. I mean, th- they were underdogs against the Bills. They were underdogs against the Ravens. Are they still underdogs against the Niners? I know they were. They opened up as one. I, I don't know if it dropped at all or anything. Not having Joe Tooney sucks, but it, it, obviously it didn't even matter. Like, this team just knows how to get it done. They know how to win. Patrick Mahomes is... I mean, what can you say about him, Kelsey, Andy Reid, uh, Legereus Snead, Trent McDuffie, an underrated cornerback duo in KC also. They're just getting it done, man. They they, they put Charles Omenahu in. He got a strip sack. Then he tore his ACL, so that fucking sucks. But, you know, they have these guys. They plug and play. Willie Gay gets hurt. They put in Drew Tranquil. They just, um, they, they really, they really, they, they just get it, I think, as, a, as an overall organization from top to bottom. The punter, the long snapper, the backup running back, everybody. So um, I guess you could say the same about San Francisco too, you know. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if there's any injuries that pop up. I don't, I don't think there's anything crazy or anybody that's like a game-time decision or, or, or might might be. So uh, I think that should be good. Yeah, I, I can't wait, man. I'm, like I'm really excited. I'm going to say 24-20 Casey. Yeah, and we'll get, more, we'll get more into it next week when the game starts to – get a little bit closer but for now i i am i'm with you i think i'm gonna bet the chiefs just to have a little action it's right down the middle it seems like the line wise so you would think in theory the 49ers have had the you know they were the one seed they were the you know the best team in the conference they have all these weapons and they're they're mainly healthy they should be the you know favorite by a good amount and they just weren't so 
It's uh, interesting, and I, I, I'm very excited. I can't wait. How about? I'm ac- Go ahead. I'm actually excited to see how Brock Purdy does. I, I'm not a big yeah. Brock Purdy fan or believer, but the guy's playing good. I mean, you you can't. He's it's getting to a point where you're like, damn, dude. You know, it's only been ten games. It's only been fifteen games. Now it's twenty thirty. Like he's starting to really put together a nice little resume. And uh, it's it's really hard to ignore what he's doing. So sort of give I, him his flowers for that. I imagine Spags is going to put some serious pressure on him, and yeah. they're going to figure out what he's all about. Like that's the As thing. If he wins the Super Bowl, yeah, there won't be anything to from people like me who are definitely a Brock Purdy detractor won't be able to say shit about him if he wins the Super Bowl. So go Chiefs. Shani against uh, Spags. What a fucking matchup. Yeah, Maybe you're just the coach, the coaching in general, and players in general, like Fred Warner against Mahomes. Uh, Nick Bolton against Purdy, and then you get the corner receiver matchups, the tight end linebacker matchups, the safe, Shit, like, yeah. all like, in all, the O-line, D-lines, like, this is a very, very, very balanced and equal game. I, I can't wait. I hope I'm not working, but I also kind of hope I can work at least just the first half, make some money, get out of there, um, but we'll see. And Osher will be out there, so we will have a, a, a great first old... song, OMG. Oh my! All right, uh, so that was our Super Bowl NFL whole wrap-up now, we must talk about Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid sat out, I believe, two, the last two games before last night. One against the Nuggets that we were very excited. I, I was very excited about another matchup between Jokic and Embiid. And he had, I guess, a knee injury or something that popped up in warm-ups that he just didn't feel right or something was wrong. And everyone, oh, you're a fraud and... All that nonsense that happens on Twitter, which I don't understand how anybody puts stock in any of that because there's people with all these burner accounts talking shit to each other. I don't – the NBA Twitter is an absolute cesspool, so I don't I don't understand why people actually, like, take that and they're like, I can't believe people are saying this about Joel and be like – they're not real people. Yeah, they're 13-year-old yeah. kids talking shit, on, like, on a Twitter account. Like, that's not you real. You see what people say about – the same thing people say about Jokic. They call him a fat slob, yeah, loser, like all the time. Meanwhile, he's one of the best centers ever. And the I same mean, thing with Joel. Yeah, like they're both great players. And also, they're going out of their way to tell each other, like they're to tell like the media, like Jokic said something about, like he's like everyone's talking about Embiid or whatever, not trying to play. But how about Paul Reed? How about people give him some credit? And then he said something I think yesterday about people should respect. Him and Embiid's greatness because people try to compare them and try to put them against each other. They're both they're, they're friends with each other, you know. Yeah. It's not like this. Meanwhile, Chet and Wemby they seem to have a little rivalry. I kind of like that. Yeah, that's gonna be something uh, very interesting to to watch over the next 10, 15, 20 years. But um, yeah, I guess I kind of got a little bit off track. But um, no, you're, no, you're right there though. It's... He's he's not gonna play against the Jazz, right? Yeah. Um, well, no. He, hold on. Definitely... Let's go. Let's go through it. So he gets. He sits out the Nuggets game. They announce that the Trailblazers game, he's going to sit out. They they lose both. Uh, they played much better in the, in the Nuggets game. They got smoked I mean, by Portland. Jesus Christ. Maxie's been hurt this whole time. I guess he sprained his ankle. Toby was out for a few of these games. And now they come to Golden State last night. TNT, whenever it's a nationally televised game, there's always, not only is there a lot of more eyeballs on it, but a lot of more scrutiny from the league because the league wants all the stars to play in these games. So... Joel goes out there last night. Announced they announced thirty minutes before the game he's going to play, and he looks like shit to start the game. He's just he right away, right, right away. away. You he knew right out. away he wasn't good. He wasn't healthy, and whether Joel's hurt or not, he mentally is not a guy who can really play through injury. Uh, like he has before in the past, 
but you all know who've seen him in the playoffs. It is a constant. He uses it as a crutch. He's either you know, at, you know hunched over, grabbing the knee, or when the mask Falling. thing was the thing, he was taking the mask off every five seconds. And like, it's just that's not him. He's not like a oh, I'm just gonna play. It's not an excuse sort of thing. Like he loves the drama of it. He is a he's. I love the man. He's a little bit of a drama queen. Would you agree, Ty? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he flops a lot, you know. Um, and I don't think that has really anything to do with this because he wound up actually getting seriously hurt in this game. But I think to begin, I think they should have known. Maybe he played in that first quarter. I think he wraps his knee and goes back to the locker room. I think it should have been done after that. Like I, I like. There's no reason. No reason at all. You tried. That game. It, it didn't work. <clears throat> Be done with it. But he comes back in the game later on and. You know, it's a 10-point game in the fourth quarter. It's like four minutes, five minutes left. And he gets rolled up on by Kaminga while he's... But it wasn't like your average roll-up. Like, he's on the ground, and then Kaminga landed on his leg while he was, like, flat, like, laying on his back, kind of. So, I don't know how... I don't, I'm not sure how serious this is going to be. It looks scary, and it probably did hurt. Probably tweaked the knee, and I imagine he's going to miss a couple weeks. That's just seems like... With the thing, I remember when Joel initially hurt this knee. Remember, he rolled his ankle and then he sat out a couple games. And then he came back. They played the Knicks on a Friday night uh, on ESPN. Yep. He came back and he hurt his knee on literally the first possession of the game. Like tweaked it somehow. I don't know what he did, but then he, I saw him grabbing at it. Next four or five possessions, every stop, it's grabbing at it, grabbing at it. Like I just knew this was going to be a thing, and. I don't like the conversation around this. So listen, he he got hurt. It is what it is. Like that's just unfortunate. But honestly, this is the this is the career of Joel Embiid. This is the story around Joel Embiid. This is how it always is. At some point during this time of the year, this man sustains an injury that hampers him throughout the rest of the season. It's yeah. seems like it always happens, <clears throat> does it not? No, it does, and it's, it's the the timing is always fucking terrible. This this time it was uh, like you said against the Knicks. <clears throat> then he. Uh, Outdoors Jokic, smokes him, has a great game. Right? Everybody thinks Charlton uh, Kepler, who quoted some fucking loser. Uh, I don't know if it was HP Basketball. Yeah, I forget who it was. Some guy who was making quack noises, basically saying and was ducking Jokic. Meanwhile, a couple of weeks ago, he just absolutely shit all over Jokic. So, uh, and it turns out he wanted to play in the game the other day against Denver. The only reason he showed up on the injury report so late is because they said, yo, we can, we got, we're not playing you, bro. Um, very last minute, he pretty much took him up to the deadline. Um, and so he does that, and then he drops 73 or two? 70. Three. 70. 70. Yeah, just 70 clean. Three? No, 70. Yeah, because yeah, then Doncic just dropped 73 the other night. That's what. That's where that 73 is coming from. That's, that's right. So 70. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he dropped 70. So now, but in the middle of that, there was uh, reports about his knee, like, swelling up. Like, there, you know, considerable amount of swelling. And that's that's not good. Any way you slice it, that's not good. That's not going to go away either. You know, unless we want to sit him until March, which I, you know, it's just going to happen again anyway. Yeah. Um, so in between these amazing performances, you have a report coming out that he's got some swelling in his knee, and you know, it's swelling up one day, and then it's fine, and then it's not. So it's a very day to day injury um, that kind of gets pushed to the side because of both of those amazing games that he puts up, and then this happens, and now it's like. Well, what the fuck, man? And and now the team is starting to kind of unravel. Um, the game against the Hor- the game against the Hornets offense is abysmal. That game was so bad. At least they won. Uh, then they beat the Spurs, getting smoked by the giving up one thirty four to the Pacers, uh, losing in a close game to the Nuggets. Paul Reed, shout out to him, played his ass off. Yeah. 
Uh, also smoked the fuck out of Jokic. Jokic didn't even try that game. That was kind of pathetic. But um, then they give up 130 to Portland, which should never happen. I don't care who's playing and who's not. That should never happen. Uh, and then they lose to the Warriors in a game that was, you know, kind of close. But the whole game, they were pretty much down. And, um, yeah, now they're 29-17. And you got to look at where they are in the East. They're fifth. fifth. Yeah. Fifth. Tied by And Cleveland, like, has Cleveland not had injuries? I'm pretty sure Darius Garland has been hurt the whole fucking season. And uh, Evan Mobley. Um, and then you have the Pacers right behind us. They've had injuries, too. Tyrese Halliburton still hurt, I think. Uh, Orlando, they fell off hard. Uh, Chicago's trying to make a little push to the top. Miami, they're back and forth. But you got the Knicks. The Knicks have won eight in a row, um, nine and one in their last ten. The, the top four teams, uh, Boston, Milwaukee, Knicks, Cleveland, they're all just playing really well. They're hot. And, uh, you know, we are falling off. So and how are we going to come back? You know, how are we going to stop this avalanche when Maxi and Embiid have uh, leg injuries? You know, Um Marcus Morris has plantar fasciitis in his foot, so that's cool. Everybody's just hurt. So I don't, you know, and it doesn't seem like they have any interest in trading for anybody. The deadline's the 8th of February, uh, so that's going to come and go, and we're going to have the same roster. And I have no reason to believe this team is well-equipped to do anything. And I think it's pathetic from a management standpoint to let him be playing that game when you knew. You're like, oh, man, he looks bad. Just take him out. Yank him from the game. I don't care about TNT. Maybe... It's not that easy. I, I don't know. It should be that easy. You see a guy limping around like Scarface. He, he can't even drive to the basket. That's what he does. He can't. He, he tried to uh, contest that one shot and just fucking collapsed like he had no ligaments in his knee anymore. It's so. It was so sad to see. He looked like a shell of himself from a game a week ago. So, and the fact they just let this happen, like, ah, he'll be fine. Goes to the locker room, like, yeah, let's put him back in. And then the free accident happens with Kaminga. Now what? <laughs> now what are we looking at? I just don't like how they manage, how the Sixers organization manages anything. I have a lot, a lot of uh, issues with the entire organization. And, you know, also Embiid, he's just always hurt. It's just going to be a thing. Yeah. It's going to be a thing. But it's something we we talk about pretty much when we draft him, right? We're like, oh, we haven't seen him in two years. We're probably never going to see him. Or he's probably always going to be hurt. But I just can't get mad at him, and he's going to play through injury. They have to fucking pull him. They have to yank him. That's what they did against the Nuggets. They said, we're not going to play you, even though you want to, and even though we kind of want you to play, we're, we're, we're not going to play you. We're not going to risk it. And then they risk it. So what the fuck's the point? That's what I didn't understand. It seemed like the chatter around him got maybe maybe – I don't know who to blame, whether it's him or the team, but the chatter around the – well, he's hurt and he's ducking and this and that, and you know it, it. It seemed like it got to them, and they just threw him out there when he wasn't ready to go. Because it's obvious he just wasn't re- like maybe not mentally prepared or physically prepared to play. So you can tell right away he's one of seven from the field, and he goes back to the locker room. Just keep him there. It's over. Like that's what I, I that's what I didn't understand because I was working last night and I come back to the TV and I'm like, why is he get, he's back in the like why, why is he playing like. It's insane. It's over. Like I get it. it's a TNT game. Whatever. You guys aren't going to win this game. Maxi's hurt. Without Maxi or uh, without both of these guys, you're really not going to be uh, a competent team. And I get with Embiid, you'll still be able to win some games. But with the Warriors, the Warriors are still a championship level team. You're not going to be able to beat them. It is what it is. You have Dario Saric out there getting getting buckets and stuff. It's just uh, yeah. But now look at it, Ty. Now look, you know, now we don't know when he's going to be back. We don't know when Maxie's going to be back. And now we got to play the Jazz. You get the Nets that you might be able to beat, Mavericks, 
Warriors at home. It doesn't really matter. I can name all these teams. It doesn't no, matter it does not. because we might not win any of them because we don't even know who's going to play. You're, you're going to get led by Pat Bev now. Like great, you're having Kelly great. Oubre scoring points, which I like. I love Kelly Oubre, but there's only so much he's that man well. can do. Like, yeah, he's, he's played pretty well. Uh, you know, I mean, the streakiness of him as a shooter really drives me up a wall. But for sure, you live with it, right? He, he goes six to six, and then he goes zero for seven. You're like, ah. Uh, you know. 34 of 35 percent. We'll take that average. We kind of saw that. Maz almost scored 20 last night. <laughs> like, uh, and look, like, MB played 30 minutes last night and only scored 14 points. That should have told you right away, right away yeah. that something's wrong and something's not right yeah. here. And he's getting he guarded even, by he, Draymond Green, who's obviously going to be pushing him around and being super physical because they just let him do that. They let him get away yeah. with shit. So, I. For the life of me, we'll never understand why they let that happen last night. But now here we yeah. are. Who knows how yeah, long this are. is going to be? And it, I really would rather them. I, the, the thing is, there. I think I, I hate doing this. I hate. I hate being that guy. But I. I think they're fucked. They really are. They're because, fucked. They're absolutely fucked. Because you know they're not going to trade for anybody, even no. though they definitely have to. We're a week before the deadline, and both our, our two star players are hurt. Don't know when they're coming back. Don't know what the extent of their injuries are. And we haven't been linked to any player in a trade. The Lakers always are. But I'd like to see us throw our name around. There was a little bit of chatter about DeJounte Murray. Um, I would like us to see to see us involved against uh, or with Bogdanovich Someone. or Murray or literally anyone. I don't know if the Bulls are going to go full trade mode. I don't care. We need to make a move. The defense is not, is not playing well of late. I mean, dude, there's no reason that you should ever let the Portland Trailblazers score 130 points. DeAndre, Malcolm Brogdon, somebody who I also want to trade for, absolutely was kid, 24-5-9. He was cooking. Scoot Henderson, literally one of the worst players in the league by all metrics, had 22. Um, who else? Jeremy Grant, did, he did okay. Yeah, he, he went to the line a bunch. DeAndre Ayton played well. Anthony Simons, he didn't even shoot the ball well, and he still played well. Like <laughs> It didn't matter. Everybody they put in, they shot 55%, 43 from three. Um, Uber played pretty well despite not making a three. But like that, I mean, just look at the box score. It's so yeah. gross looking. It's like disgusting. we had thirty-seven guys play. Like it's just um, I don't know. I and don't know. Not only is it's like I would love to. The, you know, your first thought is, well, just sit, just sit you well out and let him get healthy, and then we'll be ready for the playoffs. But now you are in a spot where you're the five seed. And you are three games up on the six seed, which is fine. But you really needed to be in that two or three seed to give yourself a chance to advance into that third round. You know, the second round is not a problem. But yeah. even in the first round, Ty, you don't want to end up getting lined up with the the Knicks in the first round. You know, that that's not an ideal situation. <sighs> and I saw somebody tweet this is hilarious. Not that the Knicks are, like, terrifyingly scary or that we couldn't beat them, but they, they're physical. They play they're defense. And and they're playing good basketball, and the addition of OG Ananobi has been huge. It really has. Yeah. So it turns out making a trade makes your team better. I, I don't know if Daryl Morey is awake. Well, he's taking a nap. Daryl Morey's too busy trolling the fans on, on Twitter, and uh, good, you know, yeah. comparing, asking if people want crumble cookies. While Hilarious. teams are, you know, I saw a tweet that said that like while he's trolling the fan base, the Knicks GM has been making you know trades on you know and making moves on the margins and getting hitting on everything and making his team better. While our ass clown of a, of a GM is just, you know, trying to be, have fun and talk about crypto and shit like that. So Yeah, they have the Nova boys, uh, Hart, DiVincenzo, and Brunson. Also, how about Jalen Brunson? What a fucking player he's turned great player. himself he really... into. In college, him and Frank Mason were the two best their senior year, and I thought 
it's going to be tough for either one of them to crack the NBA because they're both kind of small. Yeah. Neither are that athletic. Frank Mason is currently, I think, playing in France. Uh, shout out to my guy. Jalen Brunson averaging 27 a game, six and a half assists, about a steal, four rebounds, shooting well. I mean, last night he was just stroking from deep. 43% from three, 84 from the line. What a, I mean, two-way player also. Plays pretty well defense, pretty good defense. Brunson, Randall, Ananobi, DiVincenzo, Hart, Hartenstein. They have a good, good mix. Miles McBride, whenever he gets some uh, some minutes, plays pretty well. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love what the Knicks are doing. I'm, I hate to admit it. I truly no, do. Shout yeah, out to, shout to tone. tone, but... Um, I'm with you. Yeah, we have to figure it out. I mean, a move has to be made. I understand. Like, do you think this? the front office looks at it and says, oh, you know, our guys are hurt. We can't go all in this year. Uh, what can then we when do? Will or you do you th- yeah, or do they think our roster is good enough that we don't have to, you know, give up some picks and players to get somebody? I, I don't know what they're thinking, but I, I think that they are uh, going to be on the wrong side of history come playoff time. Well, I mean, how many years are we going to waste of Joel Embiid? It just—it seems like every, every year one. it's a conversation, and it's just we—we we want come playoff time, we run out of gas, or we don't have like. I'm not trading a bunch of picks unless I'm getting a premier marquee kind of player. Like, you know, I see that people talk about Jimmy Butler. I don't think that's actually a real thing, but I'm saying like someone of that level. I don't want Zach Levine for like three first round picks or anything like that. Like if they're not going to do something like that, which I understand it's not, you know, this isn't 2K. You can't just make that happen. You then have to get something in here to maybe handle the ball off the bench or a backup center, or just another role player. You know, we talked about wing defenders like uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and uh, Royce O'Neal and stuff like that. Maybe somebody like that to kind of help you out because you've seen this team now has kind of fallen by the wayside with no Rocco and no none of those. Some of those bench guys are out now. It's yeah. It's been a little bit of a change. Good news though, Ty, is that I am reading that Maxi could be back by Thursday, and. They just oh, we'll need, need him. him. Back. They need him yeah. back, man. Like they, he's going to need to carry this team through this little Joel loss. Yeah, and not to shit on your, not to rain on your parade of good news, which sure. I, I always do. He his numbers are considerably worse without him being. Oh, one hundred percent. But I just think now, that it's you, we need something, man. We absolutely need something. Um, I just think there is a small section of the fans that are going to be like, all right, he's going to have to carry us. Like, bro, he's not. That's not him. That's, that's not just not him. him. I mean, no. you're asking way too much of anybody to do that. I mean, we asked MB to carry this franchise and he pretty much has, but he hasn't gotten us that far. It's, you can't do that. You're unless you're LeBron James and even LeBron James had to team up with other guys to win. Everybody has, it's tough to win, man. And this team is not, not even close to ready to compete. I mean, I'm looking at Boston, I'm looking at Milwaukee. I'm like, how, how do we beat them? How do we even beat Miami in a seven game series? You know, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to completely be, uh, I'm not completely out. I just this kind of little stretch here has opened my eyes a little bit that how quickly things can go awry. I think this is more of just I need Tyrese Maxey to stabilize us in the sense that win us a couple of these games that we should like. If Tyrese Maxey's playing against the Blazers, it's probably like not that it makes that much of a difference, but maybe team the team's more excited and gets up for that game and maybe we maybe we sneak out with a victory or something like that. I think we just need him to play well against the Jazz. Maybe we could sneak out a Jazz victory. Play well against the Nets. You know, we need to win some of these games cuz we can't slip all the way down the standings. Well, cuz I have no idea when Joel's going to be back. I imagine it's not going to be, you know, th- next week. You know, it's going to be it, it's probably going to be a little bit of time, so 
uh, I guess we will we will see and what what yeah. happens there. And Disqualify from the MVP soon to be yeah. race. I see a lot of players also chiming in saying they think that rules ridiculous. I just realized it's eighty percent of the games that you have to play to be considered for these awards. I, I don't know if that's too big of an ask. Maybe I mean maybe you cut down the limit to like sixty or fifty something. But then yeah. you know. But then when are you giving awards to guys who play forty games or thirty games? I saw Draymond say. One time he was robbed of a defensive player of the award, a, a year, a defensive defensive player of the year award. It, gave, it went to Kawhi because and Kawhi played th- forty games. Draymond said, and that was completely false. So uh, NBA players just complaining as as always. Yeah, the propaganda machine that's created by the NBA and their these podcasts and all these different players is a little little disgusting, if you ask me. Yeah, but, I hate it. Uh, and I'm in agreement with you. I think the the talk about this new rule is a little bit overblown because I don't think you should be uh, eligible to receive an award if you miss more than 80% of the games. Uh, Maybe I don't think it really should have to be a rule. I think that kind of should be just be common knowledge, but I think it's kind of an incentive because all these people were sitting out games and and missing important games, especially down the stretch. So maybe it gave, you know, these players a little bit of incentive to play. The one thing I do disagree with is that, you are ineligible for all NBA as well because that is hurting mm-hmm. dudes' pockets, and I that, that's yeah. something I can't really get behind. But the MVP, the Defensive Player of the Year, like all that stuff, then yeah, I, I I could get down with that. I just think that you like really, I don't understand why it's that difficult for some of these guys. Like, why are they complaining so much about having to go to work? Uh, it's it's part Not it's sure. part it's part of the contract that you signed, and uh, and that and. That's the thing with like Joel or like, well, he had to play because he would have been not eligible. Like, you already have super max eligibility. Like, it's not like you're not losing any money by not playing. Your your ego is getting hurt by maybe not being eligible for the MVP. I thought we were worried about getting healthy for the playoffs, but guess not. Uh, I guess you know I didn't want to spend too much time on this next topic, but I just we did. I did want to talk about how we you know the the people, the rumors, everything was right. You know the the five players were, uh, I believe, indicted or uh, not convicted. Some in the court. Uh, yes, yeah, some in the court. Charged, I guess, is the proper yeah, word yeah. with sexual assault in the 2018 uh, Canadian World Junior Hockey Team's uh, sexual assault case that had been investigation. We talked about it last week. We have a, there's a video on the, on the YouTube if you want to hear us talk about it there. But I did just want to give an update on that, and uh, it's that's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate for. That that woman that had to go through this, and these guys are probably not going to play hockey again uh, for the near future, you know. And and Carter Hart's definitely not going to play hockey here in Philadelphia ever again, more than likely. So, I guess we're going to see how that plays out. And you know, Carter Hart's lawyer came out and said he is innocent. He maintains his innocence. So, uh, the truth, I you know, hopefully the truth is uncovered within this uh, investigation or this trial and these guys you know some someone might be going someone's going to jail over this so i guess we're going to find yeah. out soon enough yeah london, the london police are doing a uh, press conference uh on february 5th that's right we it, talked it about appears. that waiting yeah, six, so. six weeks to do a press conference sure, yeah just keep waiting so i guess they'll be able to uh, divulge more details into you know what's going on i'm sure they're not going to be able to speak too much because it's an ongoing matter and, and nobody can really say anything you know everyone's just kind of saying the same AI generated response that they have to say, like, you know, we deny the wrongdoings. It's funny because some of these players haven't denied wrongdoings until they got arrested and charged, and now they deny wrongdoings. So that's kind of shady and sketchy. Yeah, very. Uh, Alex Formen, 
he, he must have been the, the, the ringleader behind this whole thing. So I don't know if they just try to crush him and, uh, you know, who, I mean, let's, Wander Franco is trying to, you know, get his way back in the MLB already. So some people have truly no shame. And I'm sure these guys can maybe, maybe play somewhere else in, in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a insane, insane story, insane case. And a lot of, a lot of craziness going on in sports. You see that Chiefs fan who killed his three best friends or three friends, allegedly? I, I did. In his see backyard. That. I, I, that was, what was that? that was he was wild. a scientist or something like I, I don't know. Yeah. What was the deal yeah, with that? He, he, <laughs> He said he fell asleep. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I was sleeping. What a great, great actual just response. That's what I would say. If I killed my friends, I'd be like, I don't know what happened, dude. They were watching TV. I fell asleep. Um, so I guess they were in his Well, imagine if, he was, if he's like, right. He wake uh, yeah. up, woke up and they're all dead. He's like, what the fuck yeah, happened? Like, Bro, what the fuck? Uh, I guess he was, um, he went up, he went to sleep. They were all watching uh, Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. I think it was Jeopardy. And then he woke up and uh, yeah, he doesn't, he, <laughs> He didn't know what happened, but a, a bunch of people were reaching out to him, uh, loved ones of those three three men, and he just didn't answer anybody. And then the one fiance c- comes over. She uh, goes into the backyard, sees a dead body on the porch, calls the cops. They find two more uh, in the backyard. So I think – and one of them, one of the family members th- thinks they were poisoned, which would make so much sense. I mean the guy's a scientist. He goes up you know, to bed as they're all still hanging out. Maybe they haven't been poisoned yet or it hasn't set in. It seems like that's what happened. I don't want to play uh, coroner here, yeah, but um, that's fucking bizarre. nuts. I'd be, I'd be curious won. to find – yeah, like I'd be curious to find out why he did it. And then it, when neighbor said he um, – when he got detained, uh, he was drinking a bottle of wine in his underwear. So definitely not sketchy at all. I mean it's probably 20 degrees in KC. Like so. a normal guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A HIV scientist. Bizarre ass story, man. So. Sports are sports are – Full of crazy people. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. There's our there's our legal updates on the the pod here. We got all sorts of different <laughs> stuff going on in in the sports world. We will be back tomorrow with a UFC uh, Vegas. What are we at? It's eighty seven. Uh, eighty four hundred eighty five. Eighty five, I believe. Three. Eighty three. <laughs> no, just three. Oh no. shit! Uh, no, I think, I think, it's I, I think you. Yeah, I think you're right. I think so. I'm not sure though, but I guess we're gonna find out when they, when they come out. What is it, Ro- <laughs> Roman Dolize or what was it? Who? Okay, so we're gonna have and a card. We're gonna yeah. have some fights to talk about. We'll have some picks. We'll have everything you need to know going into this weekend, so you can enjoy the card. No uh, football or anything this weekend. It's the first weekend in a while that we haven't had any football, so it's time to make that adjustment. People, start getting into the UFC if you haven't yet. Now Let's is the go, time. Baby. It is the it we're starting is, a good stretch. It's, so. one, it's one of the best times to get into it. Really is because leading up to UFC 300, it's kind of like the WrestleMania of uh, UFC. We're we're getting there. Shout out There's to some Wrestle- boxing. We'll, we got going boxing. On. We're gonna have some uh, um, WrestleMania podcast coming up soon. So we're gonna have a lot uh, of shit going on. The um the the first PBC on Amazon card has been uh, released for March 30th. So uh, some people are disappointed. Some people aren't. I, I think it's a pretty good card. Uh, Ryan Garcia is just being, you know, he's letting Floyd Mayweather dictate who he should fight. He doesn't know who he wants to fight. Everything in boxing is is drama filled. And um, uh, didn't Shakur Stevenson retire? He retired apparently at the age of yeah. twenty six. Okay, or uh, whatever he is. Yeah, that's good. So and then Canelo looking we're, forward we're to, to his get next some, fight. <laughs> yeah, his next fight. Um, Canelo, we're, we're going to get some clarity on who Canelo will possibly be fighting next. I think it will not be David Benavidez. So we will see. 
It'll probably be some guy that any casual out there has never heard of before. It'll. Yeah. I think it's going to be the guy who just had a great performance over the weekend, Jaime Munguia. I bet that he oh, was going to win by decision, nice. and he did not win by decision. He won by destruction. Mr. John Ryder. Is that the guy who got knocked driver. through the uh, ropes? There was a guy no. I saw this weekend that got oh, like uh, almost decimated through the ropes, and I didn't know what it was, and I just saw a highlight of it, and I was like, holy shit. And I I'm actually not sure. But, but I don't think it was John Ryder. He just got the corner stepped in. And stopped the fight when he, and, he was just getting absolutely. And that was the same night that that lady like uh like turned her back and like got into the yeah, fetal position yeah. and then complained that there was an early stoppage. Everybody was, like, was everybody was mad about it. I'm like, bro, you quite literally cannot turn your back to the fight. That's the that's what refs are told to. They're they're, they're told to stop the fight when that happens because you're giving yourself up pretty much. And everybody was pissed. Like, oh, you know, that was a terrible stoppage. I'm like, bro, she quite literally turned around. She quit. That's yeah. quitting. And that was against that was against Miss Fundora, the sister of Sebastian Fundora. She's also a giant. Um she fought, I think Christina Cruz, that chick's name is. So but I believe the train's in Tampa. I'm not sure if I'm correct with that. But yeah, that was that was why boxing's always got something going on. If you're hurt though, shit. like you dropped a one name in. Like Yeah, yeah, you take you take the Kodo knee. You don't yeah. you don't turn around. So self preservation, you know, it's dumb. Dumb shit, but Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. I'm Ty Capone. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, please make sure to listen to your body. If your knee hurts and you are, you know, your knee is swelling and you, you know, you have to go to work that day. Sometimes you got to take a personal day. I don't care what your your league says or your your you know or your boss says. You your health is the most important thing. Please, ladies and gentlemen, take care of your mind and take care of your body.